Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Derek O'Reilly, and for over 30 years, I've been a licensed London taxi driver. For 20 years, I taught the knowledge to prospective London cab drivers. During this podcast, I'm going to be joined by experts who are going to bring the forgotten and secret history of London to life. Today, we're going to talk about the architecture in Hampstead. Okay, so today I'm joined by my friend Marilyn. I'm Marilyn Green. I'm a heritage professional and qualified tour guide for the City of London. And I also specialise in the Hampstead and Highgate and North London areas. You can get in touch with me by my website, walkingtalkingculture.co.uk, or via the cooperative of guides known as Footprints of London. Marilyn, nice to see you again. Hi. Now, you and I have had discussions, many discussions over the years about various aspects of London and London life. Um, what I'd like to talk about today is Hampstead architecture-wise. One of my favourite places in London. But one of the things I noticed is the different types of architecture that form the area. Now, I'm presuming that was because they were built at different periods of time, but I know there's some quite modern stuff there as well. So can we start? Give me a little tour of Hampstead. Yeah, sure. So, well, firstly, Hampstead has been around a long time. Uh, we're not just going to be talking about modern architecture. I should say that Hampstead was recorded in the Doomsday Book in 1086 when King William I was recording the land that he had taken over. But there was a small settlement in Hampstead with a, a parish church at least recorded from the sort of 14th century onwards, but probably there was a church there before. And we will pass that area on this uh, tour. But yet, where I start my tour is just above Hampstead Tube Station. There's a, it was a shopping centre called Kingswell. Um, in fact, in old maps, there was a, a, a well in the area, probably named after a person called Mr. King, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, there was this shopping complex built in the early 1970s by Ted Benjamin Levy and Partners. And it's in this modernist style of architecture. Um, only part of it, the original remains at the back where the flats were, which are sort of in sort of boxy shape. But it was rebuilt in the 1980s, completed in 1995 by someone called Thomas Brent. Um, so fr from a complex with 18 sh sh units, it was moved down to just three shops and 
in a restaurant set back in a sort of bay, and that's where I meet my groups. Right, and that's behind Hampstead Underground Station. Yeah, it's yeah. up Heath Street. Which is incidentally the deepest underground station in London. It is the deepest underground station <laughs> indeed, But you yes. know that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 320 steps or something if you use the uh, stairs. Um, so you don't really want to do that. No. Um, so, yeah, just above the station is this sort of white building that stands out amongst these row, row of uh, Georgian um, terrace housing. Um, but uh, it's quite interesting because if we look at it, although it's completed in 1995, it's in a modernist style. So it's a really good way of explaining to the general public what to look out for in a modernist building. Okay. Because it's got these big rounded glass sun trap windows. Um, it's got, um, it's a concrete shell. So it's like an egg box structure. So the strength is around on the walls, the outer walls, but also with these columns or we call pilotti which are along the front but also structurally inside but they basically will enable you to have a building which is open plan so when we think about modernist architecture most things today office buildings and things are built according to these principles devised in the 1920s and 1930s in europe uh, mainly by architects like Le Corbusier, for example. So we point these things out. Often a flat roof as well was fashionable um, for sunbathing, shall we say, if you can ever get any sun. Um, and we point that out and then we start our walk down the hill. Um, and what I like to say is that although we're looking in particular at modernist architecture, it's always worth comparing it with other architecture in Hampstead. So you mentioned already there's lots of red brick in Hampstead. So Hampstead's been developed mainly from the Georgian or region, Georgian and Regency period um, and Victorian period onwards, although there was always a small village at the top of the hill, uh, at least. And was it always called Hampstead? According to maps, yes, yes, right. yes. So yeah. um, it does seem to be Hampstead or Hampstead, okay. yes. And um, Hampstead Station, where, where we're sort of starting off mm. to have a little wander around Hampstead, yeah. um, that's on Roslyn Hill. Uh, it's on Heath Street or Hampstead High Street. Street yeah. So it carries on. If you carried on walking sort of another 10 minutes, you'd meet Roslyn, Roslyn Hill. Hill. Which Now, I've often wondered, why is Roslyn Hill? Where does that name come from? Well, apparently. In old maps, it's actually called Red Lion Hill, so which presumably there was a pub called the Red Lion along there. So, ah, so somehow it's, it's got corrupted over the over years the to, years Roslyn, to Hill. Roslyn. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And um, if Arkwright Road, is there any reason why Arkwright Road is Arkwright Road and Fitzjohn's Avenue is Fitzjohn's? It doesn't matter if you don't yeah, know. I, I mean, just presumably often... Fitzjohn um, is would have been. Um, uh, a landowner, I imagine, oh, okay. at the yeah, time. Yeah, probably and Arkwright would again be named after a person. I'm, I'm sure there was some industrialist called Arkwright, but I'm not sure if that's who that's Well, the, named yeah, there was after. a northerner, yeah, Spinning yeah. Jenny or something he invented. Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So oh, it maybe well it's been, named yeah. to him. Yeah, I don't well know. Um, okay. I'd have to do further research. Further research. Well, next time we meet, yes, you'll get back to you. No doubt you will. Anyway, you carry on. Sorry to interrupt you. Crossing over the high street, the top of the high street by the station and then the the next section of Heath Street, because it's been divided at that point, just go past Tasco's and then turn to the right and you're in Church Row. 
And this is one of the most beautiful roads, yeah. not just in Hampstead, but in London. It's a row of early Georgian, or Queen Anne actually, houses you know, from very beginning of the 18th century. And I like to say these are some of the houses that would have been first built in brick after the Great Fire of London, townhouses built in brick. But it's worth people looking closely at them because they are very plain in style. They are there are there's there's not there aren't any projections, so they're quite flat, and just really the the um, the porches project out, and yes. they're often still in wood, and which um, and then the windows um, are quite plush with the brickwork, although ones which are slightly later, they set back. Um, and again, that was to do with changes in fire regulations. If you think about what happened at Grenfell and the fires just going straight up the building, presumably the idea of setting windows back might have slowed that idea down. Yeah, yeah, could well but be. But just to think about the proportions. And if you're a Georgian house, you've got the living rooms on the first floor rather than the ground floor and with higher windows to allow more light in and I just like to say keep this in the back of your mind because we will see architects 20th century architects influenced by this style of architecture okay yeah coming from Church Row you can weave your way out into a little alley which then comes into Frognor Way don't ask why we call frognals. Presumably, there were lots of frogs and marshes. Yeah, and I, there. do you know what? But when no I'm in the taxi, really, I always no get, one knows. No, the I always get of confused because there's frognal rise, frognal way, frognal lane. The whole area. I mean, the district is frognal, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But there's yeah. this little road that was developed completely in the 1920s and 30s because it was a, a private road okay. leading to uh, Frognal Priory, which basically was a sort of Victorian folly building, uh, replacing another folly building. Right. <laughs> um, but it was never anything religious. Um, so this road developed in this period where everything, where modernist buildings were at their heart, really, but what we again see is that not every house is built as a modernist house. The first house we see is a house built for Gracie Fields. Okay. Uh, uh, and she has a green pantard roof house, which is in a sort of Dutch gabled style building. But the windows would have been these 30s crittle windows, these long elongated windows, which are was it built specifically for her? It built specifically for her. So she would have had a, a word with the architect as he was building it, would you Quite imagine? Quite possibly, yes. Although yeah. we know that she didn't live there very much. She had another house in Hampstead Garden Suburb. Oh, okay. I didn't live in this one very often. But it's got a nice plaque saying it was her house. Yeah. Built yeah. in 1934. So we have a house like that. And then adjacent to an, a building built in 1930 by an architect called Quenel, which was built as an art studio. And again, we call this stripped down Georgian. So it's Georgian style, but even plainer. Um, but, you know, the shapes of the windows and things like that echo Georgian architecture. So we're looking at the beginnings of sort of modernist architecture or modern architecture in London and, and what becomes fashionable at the time. But then the third building we look at is the Sun House. 
And that's by Maxwell Fry. And this is one that was written about in all the architectural journals from 1935. This is a white building with a flat roof with railings with projecting two balconies. Um, it is this concrete building which would have been open plan inside. They even commissioned uh, Hans Feibusch, who was an emigre artist, to do freezers inside it. There would have been um, built-in furniture at the time um, and built by um, Fry, who was a British-born architect, but uh, got very influenced by European architecture. And actually, in the later 1930s, he um, joined forces with uh, Walter Gropius, who had founded the Bauhaus School in, in Weimar in 1919 and came here as an emigrant. I'll, I'll mention him again later. He okay, comes yeah. back into the story. Um, so quite important. He sponsored him as an architect in uh, Britain in the 30s to work with him um, and also he then became famous he, he married an architect called Jane Drew and apparently if you want to see most of his architecture it's best to go to Chanigraf in India or to West Africa in, oh right so, Long many, way to travel. Many, so I think this sort of white concrete style sun trap buildings really suited probably, yeah, probably Africa yeah, and India yeah. better than it did Britain and the house has been owned for many years by the um by the Indian consulate, actually. Um, um, I'm not sure if it still is, but certainly for some 50 years it was, um, although the building was actually originally uh, commissioned by a clothing manufacturer who specified he wanted the main aspect of it facing south, and that's why it's called the Sun House. Right, makes sense. Um, yeah. Just shortly along the road, we can... Um, come across a more classical Georgian style house built in 1930 and that was built for Adrian Gilbert Scott who was one of the the George Gilbert Scott family. You may well have heard of George yeah, Gilbert absolutely. Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Albert Memorial yeah. and uh, the St Pancras Hotel. Yeah. Um, so he was his grandfather, basically. Okay. Um, his father was also called George Gilbert Scott, who was uh, an architect um, who abandoned the family. And his brother was Giles Gilbert Scott, of fame for... Battersea Power Station yeah. and Bankside, which is now the Tate Modern and parts of the Guildhall, for example. So Adrian Gilbert's got less well-known architect, but this was his house. And again, we don't really talk much about the house because it is this very traditional looking Queen Anne stroke Georgian style house. But we talk about the fact that he really did kick up a fuss about what was going to be built next door. He and another architect who lived in just across the road in Frognall, uh, Sir Reginald Blomfield, very well-known architect of Lambeth Bridge, for example, and various war memorials, they really objected to the plans for 66 Frognall. You're going to tell me why. I'm going to tell you why. So 66 Frognall, if you see it today, is a buff-coloured, oblong-shaped box, which, if you look at the back, has all this rigging, which makes it look like a ship. And you look at the front, it's got this great funnel that makes it look like a ship. But it's not a funnel, it's where the staircase is. The house was designed, uh, completed in 1938, and it was built for a, a solicitor who specified he didn't want any of the 
main aspects facing south. So it's the opposite to the Sun House in that respect. And he built it with his family concerns in mind. He was married to a woman who had been married before, so he inherited some children. Okay. And by all sounds of it, he wasn't too keen on having inherited the children. Right. So it's built in different sections. So the ground floor has a playroom, for the, was built with a playroom for the children. And the first floor had all facilities for the adults. So their bedrooms, the bathroom, the living room, all on one floor. And then one room on the roof for the kids, which could be divided up. They've now built another room on the roof as well subsequently. So it had all spaces, separate spaces uh, for it. It was built with a carport, so you could shelter your car, but you could also sit behind your car and look at the garden in the rain. So these quite nice quirky yeah, ideas, which unusual. now again that's been filled in. And so made presumably into a they would have put up objections when the planning. Oh yes, oh yes. There was a whole court case against right. it, um, saying it was the greatest. Um, I saw. I saw pretty much or something yeah. of those kind of words ever perpetrated. Um, but they lost the case and the building was built. Um, and it is now grade two, as is the star, Sun House, a grade two star listed yeah, building. as often happens. Um, and is seen as one of the best examples of modernism in the country. Um, this was built by three architects and a um, con um, Connell, uh, Lucas and Ward, Connell, Ward and Lucas, they're known as. Two of them were New Zealand born and one was born in Britain and they'd already built, or Connell had already built, High and Over in Amersham in 1929, which was really one of the first modernist sun trap houses in the country. Right. Not the first, but one of the yeah, first. Yeah. And then there are a few other buildings by them just below down the hill. So they were established in this style of architecture already, which only really came in the mid-20s. Yeah. The, the unusual thing with Hampstead is... Um, you, you, you don't get the various. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In sort of other areas that you do get in Hampstead, um, you know, other sort of nice, you know, Chelsea, for example, the streets tend to be quite uniformed in comparison to Hampstead. Yeah, it seems to have had a very sort of liberal um should we say councillors over the years and there's as because it was built up in stages there's obviously been gaps where there was bits which were not built in for example so i don't think they actually knocked anything down to build uh, okay Frognor, yeah. for example so people architects often the houses are built by architects for themselves as well as we'll find out yeah um and they kind of found an area where they could you get away with building something or something was due to be knocked down. Okay. But, um, yeah, it seems to have been very accepting for some reason yeah. of, of new ideas and, and also people as well. It's, a, it's reflected in the people over the years as well. It's always, always uh, been accepting immigrants and refugees into the area, been very welcoming in that acceptance yeah. way yeah. as well. So um, so let's move on down from Frognall. Yeah, let's move down. We'll carry on on Frognall itself. And um, most people are struck by University College School, which yeah. is on as we're coming down the hill on the left-hand side. And this is not modernist in any way, shape or form. It's Edwardian Baroque. So it is basically um, red brick um, with uh, um, darker-coloured bricks around the windows and then with... Um, uh, floundrels and decorative elements all around it. So some people say Neo-Ren, for example, uh, Renaissance, yeah. more like 17th century Baroque-style architecture. So that And that was opened by King Edward VII with all pomp and... Uh, you know, in a carriage, he was here with, uh, came down in a carriage to open it. There's a statue of him above the entrance. So you're very much put off by that. But I say just look opposite. There's this very low-key little close of low, shallow buildings that I'd say they look 50s, but they're actually built in 1939. And they are by um, where Frognall Priory was that was just knocked down in the 1930s. So this space became available. Right. And the area was, this little close was built in London stop brick, in this yellowy coloured brick, which doesn't really go with the rest of the Victorian no. brick work along the road, no. um, by Ernst Freud. So oh, then we right. do a bit of a quiz. Who's Ernst Freud? Any ideas? No, but you're about to tell me. So, yes, I'm about to tell you. He is the youngest son of Sigmund Freud. I guessed he was a relative. Um, who came to London a bit earlier than his father in 1933. Because yeah. his father, of course, they lived in Hampstead. Freud exactly. Museum well, he, yeah. he was instrumental in getting his father to come and live in Britain. Right, OK. Because he came here earlier. Right. And got here, his father and his sister Anna to move to Hampstead right. in 38. Um, so he, he actually helped adapt the house that is now the Freud Museum in Maresfield Garden. So he designed these, these houses, um, which are, again, 
They're very plain. They have a flat roof. There's a few columns. They are in brick, so they don't look as modernist as some, but they've got strengthened windows to allow large windows in them. So no court cases here with building those. Oh, right. OK. That's we also carry on down the road. We pass Kate Greenaway's house. So again, really contrasting style of architecture. This is arts and crafts architecture covered in tiles, um, built in the 1880s by the architect Norman Shaw. But it's nice to point out, she was a children's illustrator, um, studied at the South Kensington schools, and the window faces north, is angled to face north as her, her art studio. So it's just nice to point out as we go down the hill. Um, And then there's a a new block in University College School because it really takes up the whole section of the road, the school. Um, We look back and there's a buff-coloured building set behind the main school, Um, buff-coloured with green metal structures and then glass. Now, if you look carefully, you can see there is the children's playground on the roof. Oh, right. Which is a great design. Yeah. Um, And then... Then I say, has anyone recognised this style of architecture? Anyone go to art galleries? Because it's the same person. It's um, James Sterling, who designed the Claw Gallery of the Tate Britain, who designed the building. Right, and I know that gallery well along the mill bank there. That's right. Uh, So built in the late 70s in that style of architecture. Anyway, time for an uphill climb up Arkwright Road. And and there is, again, this road is amazing. I say, beware the gargoyles. Yes. Really, beware the gargoyles and the green men. They come out to get you. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to find one which isn't. So, basically, most of the road is these great big prep schools that were built in the 1860s, 70s, Victorian Gothic style of architecture. Yes. But then uh... I point out the new house not so new, built in 1939 by uh, Val um, Valentine Harding for the architectural group Tecton. Uh, They are the group that built the Penguin Pool in um, uh, the London Museum. London Museum? No, London Zoo, I should say. London Zoo. um, Dudley Zoo. And High Point in um, Highgate. um, Great modernist flats by Lebeckin, who was in the... um, uh, Tbilisi architect who uh, was really the founder of Tecton, this group. Um, and they built this little little house, which again looks like a 1950s house, but it's 1939. The big front of it is in industrial glass, which you can't see through, but it allows light in, so translucent glass. Um, all on the first floor, there is a cutout. So it's bri- it looks like it's brick, but it's obviously just clad in brick on a concrete house. Um, and built, we believe, for the headmaster of University College School. So there's always connections. Yeah. yeah. Um, and again, if you look on the Reba website, the Royal Institute of British Architects website, they've got photos of this house when it was built and the interior of it. And we can see from inside it's very much a modernist house yeah, inside. Yeah. And the back of it has got these sort of balconies and things. And it does look much more modernist from the back as well. Okay. But it's just, you know, and it's just sort of fitted in to this completely different from the rest of the buildings in the road. Um, But, you know, today, if we went round a sort of terrace of modern 1950s houses, it would fit in very well. Yeah. Yeah, some of the architects were obviously forward-thinking, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So can I sort of uh, 
move you along a little mm. bit and just I've got a few buildings there that I'm sort of familiar with and I just like some details. Mm. Now, one of the ones that's, uh, I can't say it's attractive looking building, but it dominates the area is the Royal Free Hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So the Royal Free Hospital, as we know it today, is this brutalist building in concrete by Watkins Gray Associates, who apparently were known for building hospital buildings. Um, and that was built in 19, well, opened by the Queen in 1974. What you was either, there before? Well, there was a hospital there before. So right. there's been a history of hospitals on that site. So there was the Fever, Hampstead Fever Hospital built in the late 19th century. And next to it was built in 1903 or so, the Hampstead General Hospital. Right. Um, so there were two hospitals on that site. But obviously now, much smaller than what's there smaller now. Smaller than what was there. The Royal Free, as uh, you may know, was established in Bloomsbury in Gray's Inn's Road. So it moved from there in, 19, um, in the 1940s with the coming of the health service yeah. into what was the Hampstead General Hospital. And then they decided it wasn't really fit for purpose. So it was knocked down and recreated into what we know today. Uh, the Royal Free today, which of course has actually also had recent extensions yeah, just in yeah. the last couple of years as well. Yeah. Um, and they're moving around the area. Um, there's a couple of other buildings. They come out on the knowledge, so I've always been interested in them. Um, one is the Isacon building. Okay, well, the Isacon building is my end stop on this walk okay. uh, because it's got this fantastic gallery where, I, if I do it on weekends, you can go to the Isacon gallery. And, right. and so, what's learn the story behind it? the building of the. So, the building's got this fascinating story. The land was built by this, bought by this couple called the Pritchards. Now, Jack Pritchard worked for a company in Estonia called Venasta, which which dealt with plywood, uh, making plywood furniture, lightweight furniture. Uh, she was a scientist, um, a psychologist and a chemist, and they bought this land. They thought, oh, we bought quite a big piece of land. Maybe we could build two houses here. But the they were very so international in their thinking. They travelled around a lot. They knew all the artistic people of the day. Right. And one of their friends was this young engineer stroke architect called Wells Coates. Now, Wells Coates had been born in Japan, um, travelled around Europe with his father, and then studied, his parents were Canadian. He'd studied in Canada and then studied in England. And he was quite pushy, I believe, and he persuaded them no, don't build houses, build flats. Much more to do with your socialist aims to build flats. And these can be for, um, they decided together to build them for people with um, uh, an income of about 250 to 500 pounds a year. They were young people, normally young people who were just doing a job, uh, just wanted an easy life, everything provided for them. All they needed to bring with them was their painting, their vase and their... Um, a special chair. So what was provided? What made it what so was provided? easy So them? most of them are bedsits. Most of the flats are bedsits with a little kitchenette, which was a bit of an afterthought, and a dressing room and a small bathroom. So, And that is really what they are today. Um, a few of them were designed as one-bedroom flats with a sort of path-dividing wall okay. um, to make them the, the end ones. So that's what they were. Um, they had shoe-cleaning facilities, washing facilities all provided for them. There was this club originally called the 100 Club, a restaurant club, where they could have 100 people at one time provided for. The first cook was Philip Harbin, who was the first TV personality cook for them. Mm. Um, and then later on, they devised this Isacum Bar, so um, this was, I believe, Molly's idea, and they created a bar 
which the name Isokun for this um, was from isobars, as in weather bars. So when you got too hot, you'd go to the bar to cool down and get a drink. But in terms of the building being called, called Isokun or Lawn Road, Lawn Road is the road they're in, and yeah, they're known yeah. as the Lawn Road Flats. But then they've been called the Isokun Flats because of their shape, isometric geometry. It's the, this kind of angular triangle uh, yeah. shape. So they built a bar here, and this bar was really, really frequented by all the artists of the area. And when I say artists, oh, so it wasn't just for the residents. No, no, everyone used to kind of went there during the thirties. Right, uh, the I bar, gotcha. um, and it included people like Henry Moore, Barbara Hepworth, who all lived in the area oh. at the time, right up until nineteen thirty nine. Um, and of course, the the flats were actually the first modernist buildings to be built in Hampstead. They opened in July nineteen thirty four, and. Um, at that time was the rise of the Nazis in Europe. Now, when building the flats, Jack Pritchard had gone off um, to Germany to, to see the Bauhaus School um, in Dessau. Now, the Bauhaus School had been founded in Weimar in 1919 by Walter Gropius, the architect. And then he, it was moved to Dessau, and there there were these modernist built, he, the architect, built all these wonderful modernist buildings for this arts and crafts school, which became internationally famous uh, for its way of teaching. Um, and where he, you know, was in danger of his job um, with the Nazis after this seen as degenerate type of art and teaching. Right. Um, yeah. And although he wasn't Jewish, they asked him and his wife to come and live with them in the Isaacan Flats. Um, so, because his job was in danger. Um, then um, he said, can he bring Marcel Breuer here? Marcel Breuer was his head of furniture, but was also an architect. And he came here, as did Maholi Naj, who was a designer. And um, he came over, he was a designer and photographer and organised the programme. All three of them lived in the Isaacon Flats. Now, so the Isaacon Flats, which for, for anyone who doesn't know, are just in Lawn Road, just off of Haverstock Hill there. What, um, who lives there today? How does it operate today? Yeah. Is it still run on the same lines? No, it became, it was sold in the 60s to the new statesman and then it was sold to Camden Council, who let it into rack and ruin. By the early 2000s, um, well, by about 2001, it was sold to the... Um, Notting Hill Housing Trust, who oh, okay. restored it, wonderfully restored it. It's now meant mainly for key workers. Oh, right. So oh. it's teachers, nurses, kind of things get reduced rates yeah. for living there. Oh. There are some private houses, the one-bedroom flats are privately run now, so they pay for the full amount for that. Um, unfortunately, no ISO bar anymore. That was converted oh, into shame. flats later on. So can we end the tour at... Do we have a James Bond connection? James Bond. Well, yes, there is a James Bond connection with the Willow Road um, house, which was designed by Erno Goldfinger and opened in 1939. This was a terrace of three houses uh, where there had been some um, cottages that were pulled down. Um, in Fleming, uh, earlier in his life, lived in Hampstead. But at the time of Willow Road being built, he didn't live in Hampstead anymore. But what we do know is that the name Goldfinger was used in vain for a book, um, and that book became a film known as Goldfinger. Yeah. Um, and Gold, uh, Erno Goldfinger, who built that house for himself, and um, he sued 
the publishers for um, using his name in vain and got 12 first editions, of which I believe at least one is still in the house. Oh, right, wow. Um, and that is the official story. If you hear anything else... It's like a museum, I believe, now. That's right. Two Willow Road is owned by the now run by the National Trust. That's number, the middle terrace building. Yeah. The others are privately owned. The whole row is grade two star listed. Um, and Erno and his wife lived there for some 50 years until they died. And they had a wonderful art collection and he also designed furniture. So there's much furniture that designed by him. And what style that. is the house built in? It's a modernist style, but it's clad in brick. So it And it is inspired by Georgian architecture. It has a higher first floor living room um, and he was known to have been inspired by Georgian architecture from his mother having a book called The Georgian House when he was a child and then him coming and seeing London in the 1920s um, when he first came here. But he came here in 1931 and lived in the High Point Flats in Highgate, modernist houses yes, I know the them Beckin, well. whilst his house was being built. Marilyn? Thank you very much indeed. Always fascinating. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.